It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Well, back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamarie and Nathan Baird sticking these off this week, and we are doing what you watch and what you eating. So at the end of this, we'll talk about some things we're eating and some things we're watching. And by the way, Nathan, uh, as a tease, I brought this over to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and the Wednesday oh. podcast on the Browns. We got a little watching and eating with Scott Patsko and Ashley Bastock. So they were excited about that. So I had to come up with two different things this week because I don't want to double dip what I'm watching and what I'm eating. But lucky for you and lucky for the audience, I watch more than one thing and I eat more than one thing. So there's plenty of room to discuss that. But we're going to start with football. And we're going to start with the, the desirability ratings for universities as it applies to how attractive they are to be in a college football conference. So it's the entire athletic program. It's the entire university, but it's driven by football, which is what this is the real life. I don't think I have to explain that to people. So let me explain. You're moving everything about your university and athletic program, but really you're only doing it because of one sport. I don't think anyone's like, what? That doesn't sound, that sounds crazy. What do you mean? It's real life. So I think people have a handle on this. Yeah. And when we've talked to, you know, a couple weeks ago, when we talked to Gene Smith and Christina M. Johnson about this, certainly there are questions about how, for instance, USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten affects other uh, sports besides football. But it's never the other way around. It's always football is doing this thing. Football, the gravity of everything is shifting because the, the, the planets are shifting. UCLA and USC are moving into a different orbit. How does that gravitationally throw off everything else? I can remember when the Nebraska move happened to the Big Ten and everybody was playing who's next, who's next, who's next. And at some point, I don't know if I wrote it or just thought it or looked into it or had a conversation but for 15 minutes, I had myself wrapped up in the idea of Kansas basketball is really intriguing Would Kansas basketball. And the idea it that at, at any point, anything about any sport other than football, that you would even have pretended that it mattered when it came to. Now, listen, it's not like Rutgers football got Rutgers in the Big Ten. Right. So it's not. But it's like the potential of Rutgers football 
as a pseudo New York market team. That's what matters. So it's not just football on the field, but it's about the potential of the value of your football program. And as it relates to people watching your football program, that's what drives this. It makes me laugh that for 15 minutes, I once thought, well, maybe Kansas basketball, will get them in the big 10. It's really funny. You mentioned them right up front because based on what his numbers, we'll get into in a second. And then some, some reverse engineering of the numbers that I did. I think I went from someone who also at one point thought, you know, you could squint and see like, this would make sense for the big 10, right? Kansas city market, yeah, they're, they're, they had their brief moment in football, but they're terrible. But basketball, they're a blue bud. It would be really great, and et cetera. I've gone from there to thinking this is not a Power 5 athletic program. <laughs> right. They do not belong in Power 5. They are not. A, I, I have a friend who is a uh, who I was a sports journalist with. Uh, we worked together in Danville, Illinois, many years ago. And then he has gone on to be a lawyer. But he lives in Kansas City, or outside Kansas City. Is went to law school at KU. Has like long ties to Lawrence and KU. And I would love to maybe have a conversation with him sometime about convince me that not only that don't forget about which conference they belong in. Convince me that Kansas should actually still be considered a Power Five athletic program. If somebody at the University of Toledo had hung up a peach basket then Toledo maybe would be what Kansas is right now, right? It's really a peach basket. And it just happened. They they had the peach basket guy. So what we're going to talk about, Pat Forty at SI.com created what he called the desirability ratings for the Power Five, where he ranked all 65 teams in the Power Five, and he ranked them in five different categories. And I want to say off the top that this kind of thing where you make up rankings, you decide what is important, you then apply numerical value to all of them, and you make a chart, and you come up with hard and fast mathematical answers out of nowhere. Yeah. Boy, do I love that stuff. I know. <laughs> and I, I think it's a really interesting piece. I would encourage people to read. In fact, I have a text waiting to send out, so our tech subscribers will have gotten it, I think, before they hear this. And I'll link to the the piece that that he wrote. But the one quibble I have with it is the the categories aren't weighted. Yes. So his categories are football rank, which he did not. um, He did that mathematically. He went by the Sagarin rankings over like the, the previous five years. He didn't just go, oh, I think Ohio State's good at football. I think Alabama's good at football. He actually he did everything mathematically kind of Mm -hmm. football rank is one. Academics is a separate is the second category. All sports, which is like the Learfield, didn't he use like the Learfield the director's ratings, yeah. the director's cup, right? That's the third category. Attendance, football attendance is the fourth category. And viewership, television viewership of football is the fifth category. As you are, as you said, they're not weighted. So three of them are all about football. It's how good you are in the football field, how many people come watch your football games live and how many people watch your football games on tv and then the other two things have nothing to do with football it's an academic ranking and it is how all of your other sports are and when it comes to your actual desirability to be in a conference i think you and i would say well i guess you can include the academic thing and the all sport thing but it shouldn't be three football and two other that's like a 60 percent football it's like in real life, it's like 87% football, 91% football, 76% football. It's more than 60. I would not ignore those two factors. I think it would be naive to ignore those two factors as being 
some consideration in expansion or developing conferences, but it's, it's not an equal percentage. The, they don't get the same percentage as those other things. And I also think that um, it, it's just, it's a little bit wonky too. Something like academics is to me, you're basing that on something that isn't really that scientific. That one is a little bit more sub objective than, wait, how am I, I'm getting them backwards. That one's a little bit more just based on what some 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 U.S. News and World Report people thought, as opposed to the Sagarin math or or whatever. Well, I mean, I do think the U.S. News and World Report stuff, which a lot of people think is nuts and silly and doesn't matter. They and there's do a lot take, of politicking and stuff that goes into they those. They do take into account some of the what percent of applicants get accepted and that kind of thing that go into. I'm not, that. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. You're right. It's you're not right. completely made up, but in the end. We're going to use this as a jumping off point to have a discussion. And in the second part of this podcast, before we get to the food and the TV and the movies, Nathan and I are going to draft our top 20, which will not be based on numbers, which will be based on gut and some numbers. But the thing that I think to me kind of shows that maybe this is wrong is that the top three teams are from the North. Yes. And in a world where it's like, oh, well then, oh, well, so the North must be driving everything happening in college football. It's like, no, that's actually exactly wrong is a little bit odd to me by the, by this, the path 40 SI rankings, Ohio state's one, Michigan's two, Notre Dame three. And again, these have been out for like five days. So you guys have probably come across them. Texas four, Georgia five, Florida, six, Wisconsin, seven, Oklahoma, eight, USC, nine, Alabama, 10. Now the academics drag down Alabama, the all sports drag down Alabama. Cause you know why? Cause all they care about is football. Now, I do, I do subscribe to the idea of you. Ha- it has to be more than just how good you are right now because your coach is really good. If, like, if the entire profile of how attractive you are to a conference shifts a lot if your coach leaves, that's significant to me. And I do think that applies to Alabama to some degree. I don't think there's as much, necess- maybe necessarily as 1,000% ingrained at Alabama as there are at a couple other places, but I would take Alabama ahead of Michigan. Right. So like, like look, one of those yeah, things, I, I, I don't I, know. I see what you're, I see what you're saying. It applies more to a school like Clemson to me than it does to Alabama. Alabama, I feel like was sort of a blue blood that was dormant for a while. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Clemson or, I don't know. No, Clemson's a great example. Oregon, even Oregon, even from a few years ago, like that was more of a in the moment kind of thing that sprung up. So the bottom line here that we want to discuss is that Ohio State is number one on this list. Their point total, according to this, is thirty-one. Michigan is second at thirty-three. Notre Dame's third at thirty-seven. Texas is fourth at forty-one. Georgia's fifth at fifty-three. So there's some big gaps here. Ohio State second in football, which is football success. Second, tied for second in TV viewership, third in attendance, fourth in all sports, which Gene Smith doesn't really care about, and 20th, tied for 20th in academics. The thing that I agree with this list, Nathan, and I think possibly everybody in the country would agree on this, I would be, I'd love to hear the argument otherwise. I think Ohio State in any kind of rating like this is like undoubtedly number one. Yep. Do, do you agree with that? I agree with that. Just because, and this this lays it out, I think, in the most um, stark terms. I mean, those are 
by by any estimation, those are the five most important things in, in some ranking for every athletic department. You know, how good is your football team? How many people go to those games? How many people watch them? Those are massive. And then really, the, you know, academics, you don't want to be known as like a bad academic school. And then the all sports thing, that category is really, I know they base it more on the, the director's cup standings. But to me, that's almost more about how many sports are you offering more than how good are the other sports. And yeah. you're going to finish higher in the Learfield standings, I think, just by offering more sports. I don't know that much about them, but it certainly, I think, helps your chances. Like, you know, some not everybody in the Big Ten can get Learfield Director's Cup points for every sport that Ohio State does. I agree with that. And that that in and of itself, I mean, that we, we everyone knows that. They offer 36 sports. They have 1,000 athletes. They want to do that. If you whisper about cutting sports, Gene Smith will stick you. Like, they are not interested in that. That is not where they are at all. They want to be comprehensive, and they believe – that they have the football program that makes the money to allow them to do that. They also are in a state that really cares about football and really cares about sports. And they don't have a direct competitor like so many other schools and so many other States have. And they have, a, it's a gigantic state school with a huge alumni base that is all over the country. And that really cares about football and really cares about sports and will donate as a result. And they have been good for 80 years and they've never fallen off a cliff. They've never fallen off a cliff, which we have covered and everybody listening to this knows. I'm not sure if people understand, Nathan, if Ohio State fans, maybe they do. I don't want to sell Ohio State fans short. If you ask the average Ohio State fan, where do you think you fall on a list like this? I think. They would say one, like that would be a little, you know, a little biased. That's okay. But I think even as they tried to be unbiased about it, they would say one. But I don't know if they realize, to me, it's like a slam dunk one. And I really do think the only school to me that you could make a case for is Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame does exist on its own. They're in, Notre Dame is mm-hmm. independent. Notre Dame has its, a separate TV deal. Notre Dame has tradition and has also been really successful right now. It's a great academic institution, all those things. But they haven't been nearly as good on the field as Ohio State in recent years. They've been very good, but nobody's arguing they're as good as Ohio State. And just sort of as a private Catholic university, I think that is, I don't know what the right word is, but whatever it is, like less attractive than a gigantic state university in a football crazy state. And so, again, I almost wish we had somebody here who was arguing against Ohio State, but what's the real argument? What's the real argument for Ohio State not being one? And my point is, I'm not sure Ohio State fans realize how heavy they are, number one, that Texas fans and Oklahoma fans and USC fans and Florida fans and Georgia fans and Alabama fans and Clemson fans and Michigan fans and Notre Dame fans, I think would say, oh yeah, Ohio State's number one. Or a lot of them would, right? I think you're right that the only one that I think really contends at that same level is Notre Dame as far as just that national stature. But some of the things that make them the most attractive, that would make the argument the best for them, the fact that it's that they have this sort of not just national, but almost like worldwide identity 
and that if you grow up a Catholic uh, football fan anywhere, Notre Dame can be your favorite college football team where that's not really, I, I don't know, Ohio State doesn't quite have that same level of casual fandom nationally. They have a lot of alumni nationally, a lot of people with Ohio roots that are Ohio State, but it's not, it's not the same as Notre Dame. I think that's fair to say. But you're right that if you're talking about like what means more to a conference, um, the, you know, things like being a, a Catholic private university would be detrimental in some ways. And then also, I think, um, I we that. sound like uh, homers. It makes you sound, it makes it does, us, yeah. it's one of those things. We're not afraid of praising Ohio State. Like, that's something like, oh, let's come on and say, but for me to be making the case that, like, not only are they number one, they're so obviously number one for a variety of things, but it's the whole thing. And by the way, we had a meeting about Kings of the North. It's going to happen. But it kind of leads to that. It's a lot of things that, not that we've danced around, that we've delved in on. Again, go back and read our Indestructible series from five or seven years ago now. There's something different about Ohio State. And that I do think almost like being in the North, not being in the South, and being surrounded by so many other really great programs sort of sets them apart a little bit that I'm, a li- I'm, I'm certainly skeptical of like the three best are in the North. But I almost think being in the North helps Ohio State here, that they're so rare because I do think they're just different than Michigan and Notre Dame in a way. And it's one of those things that uh, I, I do think, and I don't know how you factor this in, I think people hate watch Ohio State. And they hate watch Notre Dame too, but it's like they're sure. always going to have gigantic eyeballs. And it really, really, really is about eyeballs. And I think it's hard because – your eyeballs are affected by the time slots you get and the networks you're on. So it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more attractive you are, the better slots you get, which means you get more eyeballs, which means you're more attractive, which means you get more eyeballs, right? So if you're playing, yeah. you know, on a, on a noon game against a lousy competitor on a, on a, on a channel, nobody can find your numbers aren't going to be as high, but Notre Dame, like Notre Dame's viewership, they have a they have an over the air network that is dedicated to them, mm-hmm. right? That like Notre Dame has its own thing, and Ohio State sometimes plays on the Big Ten network on a Thursday against Minnesota because the Big Ten network wants them to do that, and they still put up gigantic numbers. Like I, you, Notre Dame and Ohio State are tied on the viewership numbers here um, with the way Pat did it, but like I just think Ohio State is is the best draw and i think what he did is looked at like how many big games you were part of it was how many games over a million that you had oklahoma's number one on that list and i just don't i i I, that surprised me but if you said like who's a better who's a better tv draw ohio state or oklahoma i mean it's i i don't think that's even a discussion right that's that's crazy to me i don't think people are sitting around saying like man i can't watch oklahoma I thought that was a little weird. I also thought, I think I sent these numbers out to texters a couple of weeks ago. Lane Higgins from Wall Street Journal had done some reporting about in the wake of expansion and about how Notre Dame's TV deal is actually not like amazing. But I mean, that if Ohio State were offered that same opportunity, if Ohio State wasn't tied to a conference, it would probably get as big or bigger deal than Notre Dame has. Because Notre Dame's deal is like whatever it is from NBC and then plus the one year they were in the ACC, they got an actual full football chunk from that, and it was still less than what the Big Ten pays out per year. Yeah. So if you were, to, if if Ohio State were to go on the open market, just Ohio State football as an entity, um, I, I think they would they would 
they would equal or better what Notre Dame is doing, depending on the schedule. Because some some of what Notre Dame does is, yes, I know they play the the the, the service academies and stuff, but then they also play USC and they also have some other big non conference games. So, and and I do think as we've sort of I, I've said before, we talked about before the two most valuable things about the Big Ten are the Ohio State Michigan game and then everything else Ohio State does, or in the other order. But like the idea that Ohio State is half of the best rivalry in college football and best, I I mean by a gazillion people watch it. It's like the highest rated regular season game in college football every year. And they're half of it every year. And Michigan hasn't been competitive in the game and hasn't been a national title contender. And it's still that big of a deal. You're getting that when you go to Ohio state. And a lot of that, I think lifts Michigan as well. I, again, I, I, I think Michigan's too high on this list. Maybe I under, underestimate Michigan, but again, I just don't know that if you said just- to, to conference person X, you want Bama or you want Michigan? You want Georgia or you want Michigan? You want Texas or Oklahoma or LSU or you want Michigan? They'd take Michigan? I just, I don't I, really believe that. You know, just to give people again, if you haven't seen the article, so Ohio State had 31 points, Michigan 33, low scores better because it's based on the rankings. And if you rank one, you get one point. So in academics, Michigan is significantly ahead of Ohio State but Ohio State's not bad. Ohio State's 20th and Michigan is 8th. And in everything else, and then in all sports, Michigan actually has one point fewer than Ohio State, but that's close, third and fourth. But then in, in the one that matters, football rank, who's actually out actually outperforming in football, Ohio State is 14 points higher than Michigan. So that's what throws this off. It's like you're telling me that the academics almost completely makes up for how much better Ohio State is than Michigan in, in football, on the field, head-to-head. That's that's where these rankings get a little bit thrown off to me. Yeah, and and as we know, the Big Ten wants universities to be part of what is it? It's AAU, right? Association of American Universities. So there's like a threshold. I do believe there's a there's a threshold, and I think like when you talk about like West Virginia a lot, right? I think they're not in that. They're nearby. They care about football, but there's like an aspect of that where whenever I say academics. <laughs> That doesn't matter. It matters a little bit. But once you're above the threshold and 50 universities are above the threshold, it doesn't matter if you're 37th or if you're second. They're not trying to get Harvard in here, right? And But on this list, the difference between 37 and 2 is 35 points. But as long as you're above the threshold, you're actually all the same. So yeah. it's like I think there's a way to account for academics without pretending that Alabama being 55th in academics knocks them down, you know, eight spots in desirability right. rankings. That's just not that's just not realistic. I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about it now. It might fit better actually in our second segment that we're going to do. But like you can kind of re- reverse engineer these rankings a little bit and use the AAU membership and kind of come up with maybe some good guesses about where the where where the Big Ten might look next if it was going to do that. So let's wrap this up, finishing up the idea that Ohio State is number one on this. You covered Big Ten sports somewhere else. I have never, I can remember taking this job uh, in 2005 when I had covered Major League Baseball and whatever else, NFL a little bit, and NBA. And uh, talking to the beat writer at my paper, who was the university of Delaware football writer, just being like, how do you cover college sports? <laughs> and like, I'd never, I'd never done it, which is, I, that, that's not a conversation I had with the people who were hiring me. Hey, thanks for hiring. By the way, how do you cover college sports? 
but I, I don't have a, so I don't have a huge reference point of like, what's it like to view Ohio state. And before that Ohio state to me, I didn't grow up in Ohio. I didn't grow up an Ohio state fan. People know that I just didn't, I didn't have a lens where I really was thinking about Ohio state without covering Ohio state. You know what I mean? I just have this lens. Now I think about Ohio state every day, but you had that view of you covered Purdue every day, but you were certainly aware of Ohio state. You knew what Ohio state was as a football program, as an athletic department, you were around Ohio state. Do you think then you would have put Ohio State number one on this list? Like, what's it? What do people who are tangential to Ohio State around Ohio State, but not invested in Ohio State on a daily basis, do they think Ohio State's like a really important sports property? Yes, although I don't think you appreciate it to the extent that you that you do once you're here and and inside it, um, especially because that's not really. When you're covering other programs, it's easier to, to kind of buy into the equality of the Big Ten. Like, yeah, some teams are better. Some teams are worse. Yes, they have a bigger stadium. They get more money. But they're all operating under the same rules. You, you, can, you can tend to maybe look past some of these inherent differences. It, it's much more stark when you're here and then you, you get an appreciation of, oh, you actually do look at TV ratings because in the past you didn't care about produced TV ratings. Nobody was watching like, or unless it was the Ohio state game. And then there were a lot of eyeballs on it, like those sorts of things. I, the other thing these rankings do though, and I've mentioned this before to kind of go back to what we were just talking about with Michigan, it sort of reemphasizes to me that if the right coach ever got there, that maybe there is still, that there's more ceiling for Michigan to reach for. Like I've always, that was the team that when I was growing up, the athletic program when I was growing up and the football program that I always considered kind of on an equal plane as Ohio state. And back then it was, they were beating them more in the John Cooper era, whatever. But it just seems like if Michigan could ever not be 16th in the football stuff, Michigan got into the top 10, even over a five-year stretch in the football stuff and like maintained it and was playoff relevant that consistently. Does it start to change this math a little bit? Is there something, can they make a move? Are they leaving more on the table than a lot of these other programs are? But yet we've had a lot of conversations over the years that there's maybe something inherent about Michigan's place in the college football world that makes that more difficult to do, perhaps significantly more difficult to do than it is at Ohio State. And that relates to the academic part of it, how much people care, maybe. the recruiting base within the own, their own state, their ability to go out and recruit nationally. And, and it's one of those things that we, I think our conversation certainly over time has changed from why can't Michigan get the right coach to man? If Jim Harbaugh is not the right guy, he's not perfect. Yeah. Sure. Like, is there just something about Michigan that they just can't quite be the same kind of program that Ohio state is with how passionate the football fan base is here, maybe in a way that Michigan can't equal. It doesn't mean Michigan's bad, but it means that I don't know that Michigan can ever in this modern era. I don't know that Michigan could ever be higher than Ohio state on a list like this ever. Yeah, we should mention that Michigan is the only team in the top ooh, 16 of this ranking that he did that's in, no, I'm sorry, Notre Dame also is, is, is ranked in the top 10 in academics. But again, Notre Dame is a little bit of a special case. Um, and I, I guess USC is 10th in academics. It just, I, I do still wonder, it would just have to be the very right coach. I know what you're oh, saying about Harbaugh. Oh, never won a national title. Oh, never won a national title. Like, what does that coach look like? Right. Like, like who they, is it? It's and not the former quarterback who took an NFL team to the Super Bowl. It's not him. If if Urban Meyer had gone there instead of Ohio State, 
Maybe. I mean, Nick Saban. Right. right. That's what I'm saying. It would have to be a, maybe a, a transformational coach like that. And they're out there. There just aren't that many of them. So Ohio State, I just think, is is steadily number one. When we do this draft, should we take Ohio State off the board? They're number one. Both of us would take number take them number one. Everybody yeah. listening to this would take them number one. Most people in the country would take them number one, so that's not very fun. And we'll draft the next 20. We'll do that. Ohio State's number one. That's fine. We'll do that draft next on Buckeye Talk. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so we're going to do this draft. Also be a tech subscriber, 614. With the first pick overall, I'm going to take be a tech subscriber. 614-350-3315. We'll be at Big Ten Media Days next week. We'll got some stuff going on there. We'll be tech. Doo, ding, ding, doo, doo, just like Ryan Day's talking right now. Bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, bing, bing. Here comes the text. Quick thumbs. Nathan, you do have quick thumbs. If it was like top six answers on the board, here's the question. Name uh, an attractive physical attribute of Nathan Baird. Quick thumbs. Definitely in the top four, at least for me. Scholastic Bowl, man. I was a, I was a Scholastic Bowl uh, superstar in high school. And that's buzz. Did you use your thumb to buzz, or what did you use to buzz yeah. it? You, you're a thumb buzzer. You're not a, most you're of not, them work. Yeah. You're not a uh, you're not a pointer finger buzzer. Like a click click click. You're more like a bung bung bung. Yeah. Like no, I think I was more of a palm it and use the thumb. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I also did that too. So, uh, so Ohio State's number one, and you should be a tech subscriber. And I'll give you the first pick. So this is the non-Ohio State most desirable. We want to think, we want to think like a conference. We're making a conference. We're not worried about geography, but we're worried about everything else that we think matters when we're trying to get a university and an athletic department, but honestly, primarily a football team into a conference. These are our own. This is the desirability draft. Who are you taking number one? With all deference to the things that you were saying earlier about Alabama, maybe not being quite as entrenched as some of these other programs. I want the flagship of the South. I believe Alabama is the flagship of the South, especially after what has just happened with uh, Nick Saban and then the run that he's had there. I think there is such a thing as a brand changing over time and sort of reestablishing itself. You know, um, nobody, I don't think cared that much about Duke basketball, but now Mike Krzyzewski came there and Duke basketball is a completely different thing. So I'm taking Alabama. So I think that's right. And it's one of those things that if you're going to create a rating like this, you have to live by the rating, but I'm sure when, Pat came up with this, which again, I'm jealous of the idea when he came up with it. And it was like, Oh, Obama's 10th. 
It's like uh, sometimes you have results that sort of prove the fallacy of the formula. And I think Bama 10th on any list like this to some degree does that. When you go back through, because I did this, if you go back through and you go just by football rank, football attendance, and viewership using his numbers still, OSU is still number one, Alabama's second, and they're only two points behind. So I think let's have you, since you did that math, let's have you mention that every time we draft a team. You have that as a reference for your drafting. I do not have it because you didn't share it with me. I didn't know we were going to be doing a draft until right before the pod. No, I know, but that's okay. You can stick it to me with it. So I get it. I did all 69, by the way. Nice. So I'm going to (laughs) do – I'm going to take Notre Dame. And as much as I think this initial list is a little North heavy, you sort of spoke to, obviously everyone knows what makes Notre Dame attractive. They're unique. They, I think might be on the rise. They're whatever I think they're, they're seen as the ultimate prize that's out there still. So they are uh, number three on the actual list. I'll take them here. And where are they? on the Baird redo rankings. They are seventh, but there's a pretty, there's some clusters that happened here. I said that OSU Alabama was one, two. Then there was a pretty big fall down to a team, then a small fall to then a group of like six teams that were all within six, seven points of each other. Okay. They're in that group. They were seventh overall. All right. Who are you taking next? Well, now it's like, do I want to go by these ratings? How much do I want to rely on these? Because I think they make a lot of sense. I'm going to lean on the ratings for the for this next one, I guess. And, I mean, listen, like, it's the South. The South is where the best football players are. I'm going to take Georgia. Okay. I think that makes sense. I think it's okay to be affected by the fact that they just won the national title, that they feel like they're on the upswing. Um People are watching a lot of Georgia, and I think this is reasonable. They are fifth on the SI list. Where are they on the redo list? They're third. They're okay. the next team down before you get to that like more tight cluster. Okay. So then I'm, I'm going to go. I, I'm very happy to have this team here, and I will take Texas. I yeah, just think so for, for Texas to be as valuable as they are when they haven't been good on the field. Yep in 15 years it's just it's a it's a sleeping giant like can you imagine like what if Quinn Ewers wins the Heisman in 2023 you know like what what does good Texas look like that's what I always said about the Browns we never knew what the, what the Browns in the internet era what did it look like what would it be like if the Browns were good after the internet was invented we don't know what happens like oh, people really want to read about them what would happen if in this era this very specific era of college football, if Texas is good, what does that look like? They like on the field, they're like the 40th best program in college football right now, but they're fourth on Pat's list. Where are they on your list? They were ninth. So I'll take that upside. And so I'll very happy yeah. to take Texas here. So that's our top five. So Ohio state's one off the board. We then went Bama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Texas. Who are you taking next? And listen, by the way, we could have made this a separate two-hour podcast, but people didn't like the drafting as much as we thought, and I think a little quick and dirty here is better. So we're squeezing it in with like what Nathan thinks about street tacos. But 
I think it's something we're going to have in the back of our mind. It'll be a continuing discussion going forward. Go ahead. There's, I eat way fewer tacos than you think I do. <laughs> you think I have tacos like once a day. Uh, I'm going to take Michigan here, and I'm going to let the tiebreaker be that even though we're not drafting Ohio State, I assume they're still going to play Ohio State, and that's still a massively valuable commodity. No, I agree with that. I think you want to be in the business of the game, and that's that's valuable, and that's never going away. All the things that have gone away that could go away, what if, you know, you know there's a couple teams that just, you know, I would never let this happen. So they are two on the initial list. Where are they on the redo list? Sixth, like right there in the middle of that cluster I was talking about just ahead of Notre Dame. Okay. So I will uh, then go ahead and, and I, sometimes I don't know how to view this, Nathan. And I think this is like an NIL conversation a little bit of the balance of, Hey, you're in a gigantic city. Isn't that awesome? But also you're in a gigantic city, which means you have a comp- lots of competition for everybody's interest versus you're in a college town where you're the biggest thing going, which again is some component of why Ohio state is number one on this list because Ohio state's in the 16th largest city in America, but it also only has to share that city with a hockey team. And that's very rare. So I will take USC here and it's like, well, you know, they got to compete with the Lakers, but you get the LA market. And again, I think there's just so much potential here that this is at a low ebb. And I think there's a, you know, they're getting picked sixth here. And I think there's a world where if you were doing this during the peak Carroll, they would have been like third. So I'll take USC. Uh, they were ninth. Where are they in the redo list? 18th, pretty far down. Like there's, there was that cluster of teams that I said that would include Michigan, Notre Dame, Texas. They were all around uh, like 22 to 31 point, 19 to 31 points. 19 to 26, I should say. And then you got a gap a team in the 30s um, as far as their point total. Uh, then like one in the 40s, one in the 50s. And then USC was 62 points. So pretty far down, but it's 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 a lack of football success that is a big part of that, right? I mean, they've they've been they were they have they get 30 in football rank and 23 in attendance per the the 40 numbers. Yeah, and you can see how that could change that when they're good again, which they will be, then people will probably show up again and watch even more, but there's just, I think a lot of potential there. So, all right, next up to you. Oh, um, yeah. I like what you're doing as far as like going for high value teams. I think I'm just going to stick with some that are actually doing it right now though. Um, and hopefully get out in front when this new conference starts, I'll take Oklahoma. Yeah. I probably was going to take them next. I think you're right about the uh, viewership numbers here being a little skewed, but the football success has by and large been there. And it's an important part of the country that really does care about college football. You can count on that. I think that's right. They were eighth in the SI rankings. Where are they on the redo rankings? Fourth. Fourth. Okay. So that's pretty high. I think that it feels like maybe to me that there's a dividing line here of sort of sure thing, stable, dominant, gigantic programs that probably aren't going anywhere. And maybe they're down a little bit. But when you think about it, again, Ohio State off the top, then Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Texas, Michigan, USC, Oklahoma. I definitely would have taken Oklahoma next. That's our top seven. And I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a dip here. 
do you feel like maybe if we were making a tier, would we draw a line? And again, this is seventh in our draft, but it's eighth if you include Ohio State. Would this be the top eight if we were making a tier here? Or do you think that's like, oh, no, there's a bunch of similar teams still ahead? Um, boy, it de- I guess it depends on what you think of Oklahoma's staying power a little bit, because then there, there are a couple of teams that are either recently or historically powerful that you could maybe argue for the eighth spot, but this is a good eight. Okay. Uh, I'm going to swing upside again a little bit. And, and this is a discussion that I want to have on the college football survivor show. Because I think it's, it's always a question. It's like there's the um, team and program. But with where Georgia and Alabama are right now in the current SEC, not yet including Oklahoma or Texas, who's the third best program in the SEC right now? And who's the third best team right now? So that's what I'm thinking about. And I'm going to take the team that I think is the answer when I think big picture program. And especially when I say who, who do I think is going to be third best program football program in the sec five years from now not counting texas and oklahoma and i'll take texas a&m and i think that's leaning in a little bit on texas money that they're throwing around in nil they threw money around to get the coach they want to be good at football and i think there's a potential there that might be greater than where else you might go in the SEC. So I think there is a gap a little bit between Oklahoma and Texas A&M here, but I'll take them next. Yeah, there's a little cluster outside the top 10 and they're in it. They were 12th in these the modified ratings if you take out academics and all sports. I think it's a it's a it's a sensible pick if you're looking into the future because that is a program that um for for all the reasons you just said, um we may not have ever we may not still have seen the best of Texas A&M. If Texas A&M became if Texas A&M had a dynasty like especially after after Saban leaves Alabama, right? If 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 Texas A and M was the team that stepped up and had a small dynasty for you know one wins two titles in five years that sort of thing, I don't think anybody bat an eye at that. All right, so that's the eighth pick in our draft. Are you taking ninth? And again, Texas A and M was twelfth in both, both in the real SI rankings and in the modified Baird system. I'm going to take Clemson here. And again, it's a nod to the more recent success, but it's been, it hasn't really been flash in the pan. I know that Clemson had a down year last year, but the height of it was so sustained. You can't really compare it even to like what Oregon did. This was another level above that to win multiple national titles, to be in multiple national championship games in that tight of a period. I don't, I know that teams have done that and fallen off in the past. And it may happen if, if and when Dabo leaves Clemson. But I think there's enough there to think that a baseline of success is sustainable. Yeah, I think it's hard. You get a little town. You get good tradition, not great tradition. You obviously have recruiting base, but boy, oh boy, do you have a lot of competition. Like if you slip up at all, George is going to come yeah. and eat your lunch. Bama's going to come and eat your lunch. Um, but I already have both of them too. I thought you could say, but I already had lunch. So <laughs> tacos. So um, you know, frankly, to draft them ninth here with what they've been on the field is a little low, but I don't think they should have gone any higher. Um, I think this is a reasonable pick here. They're 16th on the SI list. Where are they in the Baird modified? They're eighth. Eighth. Okay. 
And again, that's driving it. Like recent football successes is carrying a lot of, a yep. lot of the load there and, and not, that's not unreasonable. Um, okay. So the 10th pick to me, and now I think we are getting into a spot where there's a lot of teams that are kind of in the same range. And I am very tempted here to, to reach on a pick. And again, when we do these drafts, I want them to be representative of what we actually think and not just be some draft strategy. So I'm just going to take what I actually think. Again, I think it's showing up a little bit with NIL. I think there's tradition there. And if you think they could get it back, I think they, the question is the fan base. And that's a real question, but there's enough of a clump of other teams that I'll take a team that I do think is a little different and I'll take Miami here. And this might be high. It's certainly high in the SI rankings. Um, in the SI rankings, Miami is tied for 25th and I'm taking them 10th here. But again, they've been down. Where are they in the modified Baird? 24th. The thing that still pulls them down from being a top, from being higher is attendance. Yeah, they don't have a stadium on campus. Everybody's got to get on a bus and go to the Orange Bowl or whatever. I mean, I, I understand that. But uh, if you think Mario Cristobal is going to get it done there, I just think it opens a lot of potential. And as a private university, it's not exactly like your traditional big state school. But, man, if you think they're going to win the wars in Florida for talent, like I just I, – I wonder. It's, you're making a bet kind of on – you are making a bet on a coach there, which I – which maybe isn't the smartest thing to do because it has to go beyond the current head coach. But again, we've seen what the best of Miami can be, and they just have not been close to that. But if they approach that again, that's a lot of eyeballs, man. I think that's a lot of eyeballs. I think people are kind of waiting for Miami to be good to see what that looks like. So probably a stretch here by me, but I'll take them 10th. Who you taking 11th? I feel like I'm sort of building a, a, a bridge through the South into the Southwest here. This I'm going to take one that is sort of a, a a star that just imploded on itself, but maybe there's enough life long-term and that's LSU. You've got a, a significant recruiting. I mean, you're right there in the middle of all that talent to the East of you, all the Texas talent to the West of you. You've got new Orleans, an important city there. Um, just a lot of things that I think, and, and, the, and the football has been tremendous just too intermittently. If someone could ever go there and, but maybe, maybe in, in similar to the conversation we were having about Michigan, maybe LSU is a different version of that, like a, a even more manic version of that, that it's highs are even higher, but nobody can ever really sustain something there because of just the nature of LSU. I don't know. They're 14th in the SI rankings. You're taking them 11th here. Where are they in the Baird modified? They're 10th. Okay. All right, so I'll, I'll come back, and I, I kind of reached on Miami because I thought there were a couple teams kind of lumped here. LSU was one of them. So then I'll go ahead and take Florida, which I yes. think is enough of a similar kind of deal. It's a very good SEC program that maybe can be even better. They're all the way up at sixth in the SI rankings. Where are they in the modified? I considered them actually. I almost took them. They were 14th, but a pretty good, like 11 points lower than where LSU is. Now, that also means that in these past five years includes LSU having the 
best offense in the history of college football. So that that helps them as far as their um, their football performance score. It's the like the one outlier year really that pushes them up. I mean, you do look this off season. LSU hired the Notre Dame coach. Florida hired the Louisiana coach. When yeah. a lot of us seemed like, oh, it would have made a lot of sense for LSU to hire the Louisiana coach. That's where Billy Napier was. I'm not so sure they shouldn't have. I'm not so sure. Actually, I, I think Florida got the better guy. But if you're talking about investment, right, and that kind of thing, when you look at the SI rankings, academics, Florida tied for 11th, LSU 62. So I that's was... like the entire gap between Florida and LSU is academics. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that. Florida is also an AAU member, and um, I, I just reputationally that surprised me a little bit. But they are pretty solid. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, would why would somebody who works in Ohio have a grasp of the academic prowess of LSU versus Florida? I mean, I'm they're, they're I assume they're both fine. I don't know, this, you know, but a fifty point gap that's not really determining anything in real football life 13th pick to you nathan well i'm going to swing back up and take one that is another historical power that is has not at its heights but we all think that there is probably still something there it can achieve so i'll i'll take penn state here which is is very low for where it was showing up probably in both of these rankings 11th in the si rankings where are they in the baird modified you're tied with oklahoma for fourth yeah, I think that's probably right. State College, right? Is that yeah. going to continue working for you? There's a Big Ten team that is higher than Penn State on the SI list that I was hoping you would take so that I could take Penn State. Because I do think I do think I would take Penn State third out of Big Ten teams, out of current Big Ten teams, not talk about USC. Of the current 14 Big Ten teams, is there much debate that – you and I would take Penn State third? I clearly just did. Do you think there's debate, though? The other team we're talking about is Wisconsin. Wisconsin is seventh on the SI list, and Penn State is 11th. And again, most of that is academics. But I just think I think at its best, more people want to watch Penn State football than watch Wisconsin football. Is that the wrong tiebreaker there? I just would take Penn State over Wisconsin for sure. I would take Penn State over Wisconsin for sure. Um, the heights of Penn State have been higher. I mean, Penn, Wisconsin is not thought of in the same way in the history of football the way Penn State is. No, I think that's right. And I think the, the potential continues to sort of bubble up there uh, under Penn State. So I, th- I think this is a really good pick by you. I definitely going to take them next. I'm going to maybe stretch a little bit here for my next pick at 14. And maybe this has not been borne out with the way the conference realignment is happening right now, because this team is out there and nobody has grabbed them yet. But I think it is such a geographical issue for them. And if we're just not getting too tied up with that, I'll take Oregon Mm. and I'll take Phil Knight and I'll take, they've got some juice and I'll take, listen, Dan Lanning's not Chip Kelly, but I'll take sort of the upside swing on, I think they still maybe can be consistently at at least stay at what they are or maybe be more. So I'll take them 14. They're 22 in the SI rankings. Where are they in the Baird modified? 23. Okay. Right behind, uh, well, right ahead of Miami, actually. 
seven points too high. Is this too high? Did I reach? Well, I'm going to, well, let's just have this conversation. I'm going to go ahead and take Washington with my next pick. Okay. For, I think just very similar reasons. The only difference being that Oregon's sustained recent football success was obviously higher, but you have, you know, similar access to a major city. You have similar access to the West coast talent pipeline. You have the similar um, disadvantage of the West Coast time zone. But both of these programs have a, a foundation. And uh, both of these programs have, I think, the potential, again, to, to have sustained success. But you're right that it's if, – if you're if – you're, I'm really curious what happens with both of these programs as it relates to expansion because they are both valuable and both attractive and both have um, detriments. I'm a little, I'm not surprised, but you know, you read the reporting and it doesn't seem like the big 10 is champing at the bit to get these guys in. Maybe they feel like they have time. Yeah. What's the rush? We're we're hearing now about a lot of um, jibber jabber in California about how USC and UCLA left, especially UCLA being a, public school and the ties that it has to other public schools in that system and like all of a sudden politicians are like wait hold on what's going on like grumble grumble but because they went first you're seeing politicians in other states kind of get out in front of expansion it sounds like and there's been talk that maybe oregon and oregon state and washington and washington state might get tied together like legislatively almost in those states which would make it much more difficult because while the big 10 might see oregon and washington as valuable I do not believe it'll have that opinion about Washington state and Oregon state. So that could be a complicating factor for both of them. It was funny early in the, right after you, you know, when stuff was coming out about UCLA and USC and that kind of thing, I know Steve Politi, who was on this podcast, talked about Rutgers tweeted and said, this is why people in New Jersey should be very glad. There's not a Rutgers state that can you imagine if, if, if New Jersey politicians, if Jim Delaney was like, come on down Rutgers, and the New Jersey state legislature was like, you got to take Rutgers state. And it was like, what? That you do just have more freedom when you don't have another state university that is viewed as being on the same level as you and that you're tied together. And people, for whatever reason, practical reasons, possibly or legitimate reasons, but like can't acknowledge this is not the same thing. Washington yeah. and Washington state are not the same thing when it comes to a realignment discussion. And the answer is not going to be both of them are going to the Big Ten. So you can either have none in the Big Ten or you can have one in the Big Ten, but you're never going to have two. And I'm sorry, but Pullman's not Seattle, and I don't know what anybody can do about that. And I don't know if someone is sitting these people down because it's politicians. Sometimes it doesn't matter. I don't think logic necessarily breaks through the the hairpiece sometimes. But the haircut, I should say. They don't wear hair pieces, but the haircut. You got to have a good haircut. Some of them wear a hair piece, I'm sure. As um, my friend uh, Mark Bertolino once told me, Barrett, if I had your hair, I'd be president because he didn't have great hair. And I have a lot of hair. Um, <laughs> uh, but if you, you really have to just game plan this out financially to the long, like you don't have to look that far in the future to see what could happen now with the Pac 12 and where it's going to be left. And, and if you're looking at the big picture, what's better for everyone involved? What, what's you can't look at only what's better for everyone if it's so severely holding back certain people, I think. Um, by the way, if you go by these numbers, just football rank attendance and viewership, and then go by which ones are AAU members, 
the highest ranking program that is not a current member of the Big Ten or the SEC is Washington. And two points, two points ahead of USC at 17, 18. So Washington is 15 in the SI rankings and 17 in the Baird model. Tied for 16 with uh, okay. a Big Ten team. Who is still on the board. Still on the board. Are we and neglecting, probably will stay there. Are we neglecting Big Ten teams? Are we underestimating Big Ten Well, teams? it's a little bit – isn't it a little bit difficult because are you doing the same thing I am? You're looking at their number, and especially specifically you look at that viewership number and you think, oh, how much of that is Ohio State? It's more for the East teams than the West teams. It applies more to uh, Penn State, honestly, than it does to Wisconsin, but still. I, that's definitely part of it. And there's just, again, what is what is the structure contributing to your viewership number? And what is it inherent, inherent about your program that is contributing to the viewership number? And that's a lot of subjective subjectivity that goes into that. But I just don't know that people are lining up to watch Wisconsin on TV. And I know they're really good. And I know they're a good academic institution and all this other stuff. And I, and I know that they are seventh on the SI list and have not yet been drafted in our rankings. And we're down to the 16th pick, but are people lining up to watch Wisconsin football? I well, just, like, that's, that's affecting my view. You say they're really good, but of the games that do get watched, how much are they enhanced by the Big Tenness of it? You know what I mean? And if you take Wisconsin out of the Big Ten football structure and make them stand alone the way Ohio State can and has, right? Does it hold up the same way? And I think if we thought it held up better, they would have been drafted by now. I think you're right. I'll take Auburn. I'll take the second half of that second best rivalry. Auburn is 13th on the SI list. Where are they in the Baird modified? 11th. And, you know, this is just like a solid, decent SEC program that has the benefit of playing a gigantic rivalry game against Alabama every year that much like Ohio State, Michigan, people care about no matter what. But frankly, for the last 15 years has been a really important game in college football. And so I I think being tied to Alabama lessens the chances of Auburn falling off a cliff. And they have a coach right now that doesn't feel like the right coach for them. And I don't know how long Brian Harson's going to last. I mean, everybody's betting. If you had a list of like coaches who are going to get fired, he's high on that list. They're a little bit of a low web. They haven't had a great coach. Gene Chizik won a national title there and then got fired pretty quickly. The Gus Malzahn stuff, like it was solid, but it wasn't good enough. Again, this is one of those, I think Auburn at 16th on a list like this is maybe about as low as they could go because, and I just saw a message board post the other day. It's like, what if Auburn hired Urban Meyer, right? I mean, what if Auburn had a great coach? Holy moly. So they're this decent now without great coaching. I think there's potential there. I'll take them 16. I'll take Wisconsin. (laughs) We just talked about why we shouldn't take them. But really at this point, it's, I I might've taken Auburn if if that had been my pick, but now I'm looking at Wisconsin and I'm comparing them to Iowa, Michigan state, Iowa state, Oklahoma state, Nebraska, West Virginia, Mississippi state. I'm, I'm Wisconsin as a brand, I think surpasses those as a football brand. 
and you have a um, a a a passion there that I think would allow you to at least keep the floor high in a in a in a mega conference. No, I don't. I I I don't think that's wrong at all. I mean, I think they had to be picked again. They were seventh in the SI. Where are they in your rankings? Thirteenth. Thirteenth, and they go seventeenth here. I think that's right. I don't think anybody could argue with that. So now we're getting into, you know, we're we're there. We're clearly there. Sort of flawed programs in different ways, right? And so now you start, I think, going to like what matters the most to you. I'm gonna go with a team with a giant stadium, which I think is some acknowledgement that people might care about it. And this program hasn't been good on the field in 25 years almost and i'll take tennessee and i just think you know if they're even in the mix on something like this with how abysmal they have been on the field they can't find the right coach they've swung and missed a million times they are 24th on the si list uh where are they they're ninth in attendance because they have a you know over a hundred thousand seat stadium they are 26th in viewership and part of that is, you know, you're in the SEC and you're playing other teams that people care about. Where are they on the Baird list? They're a little lower here, 27th. They don't get the um, the boost that they get for um, um, other all sports. All sports, yeah. yeah. They're 13th in all sports according to these ratings. So, okay, maybe a, a reach, but I think we're kind of at that point where nobody's perfect. We only have two more picks left. Who are you taking, Baird? I don't like this spot. <laughs> it, it's no, we're kind of out of we're out of sure things. We're out of sure things. We are out of sure things. Uh, I probably need. I don't. Do I have any Florida? I don't have any Florida. I'll take Florida State. Okay, that might have been who I was going to pick. They're nineteenth overall in the SI. Where are they in the Baird? They drop all the way to thirtieth, but obviously, just the football hasn't been very good. They're fifty. They're fifty sixth in the SI ranking just for football um, rank. But yeah. you ask anybody out there is Florida state, one of the top 50 football programs in the country. They're like, well, sure. Because, you know, it was just one coach for the most part. Well, Bowden did, but that was such a sustained legacy of winning. There's, uh, there's a brand here that you could resurrect. No, I think that's right. I think it's a good pick. I'm not, mad about it but it might have been who i would have taken to finish this off if they were around so instead there's not a again there's flaws with everybody here um you try to go like stanford's in the mix here but again stanford's kind of out there for anybody who wants them there's been some talk like oh maybe notre dame would want stanford to go with notre dame if notre dame did go to a conference uh clearly really good academically clearly really good in all sport they are 17th in the SI rankings because they're one in academics and two in all sports. And they're taken out of the Baird rankings and they have not been good at football lately. David Shaw gets paid a lot of money to be pretty mediocre for the last five years. Where are they in the Baird rankings? I'm not taking them yet, but where are they? Tied for 45th. Yeah. So, and I don't know if people get like juiced up to watch Stanford on TV. All right. I'll take another team that, uh, Again, they get tied in a little bit to some other schools, but assuming they'll still get to play them, I'll take Michigan State. And I honestly considered Nebraska here because I think people still do really care. Like if we did, what are the fan bases that care the most about football? 
and again, this was a big discussion point during the pandemic. And I think we saw it play out. Is Nebraska second in the Big Ten? Your fan base cares about football. Rank them one through 14. Is Nebraska two? They have been. I think they still are. I think they still are. So it's like they've been bad on the field. They don't have a recruiting base. But I don't know. Is there enough Nebraska in there to get them into the top 20? Not for me. They're 30. Nebraska's 33rd on the SI list. And Michigan State is 20th. Where's Michigan State in the Baird rankings? They were tied with Washington at 16th. Okay. So I'll take that. I think that's fine. Again, if somebody wanted to argue for Nebraska or Iowa or Stanford or North Carolina, you know, I, or UCLA or, you know, who was, again, is coming to the Big Ten. They're 18th on, the, on this list and didn't get picked. I think that's fine. But I do think there's, there's kind of a, a tier. I would, I would draw a tier line after Oklahoma at seven. And I think I might draw another tier line at Wisconsin at 17. Cause like Wisconsin to Tennessee is like, Hey, one's really good at football and one's been terrible at football for 15 years. Right. I mean, I think you really, yeah. Wisconsin still felt Wisconsin maybe underdrafted, but Wisconsin still seemed like a solid pick to me. I think Tennessee, Florida state, Michigan state were grasping for it a little bit more. Yeah. So that's our top 20. But I, I think once you get out about the top seven or eight, you're kind of flailing. And what's tricky about Michigan state is of those five categories that 40 has its best score is in viewership. And if we're basing it on the games where they have a million or more viewers, like how often has that been Ohio state, Michigan, or Notre Dame? Right. But at some point it's one of those things. It's like, well, do they still get the, in our new made up conference, do they still get to play those teams? That it's like, how do you take that into account? Right. When you're thinking it's like, Michigan State gains a decent chunk of its value from those three teams that you just said. But also, they do play those teams. And when they play those teams, Michigan State brings more value than Indiana does and Purdue does and Minnesota does and Northwestern does, right? When Michigan State's like, hey, Michigan State, they're often pretty decent. I'll watch them. They're playing an excellent team. It's excellent or super popular versus pretty darn good. That makes for a good game. That's much more attractive than Michigan versus Northwestern or Ohio State versus Indiana. So Michigan State, yeah, you're getting a lot of your value from somebody else, but you're bringing something. So I, I think it's it's hard to separate this stuff because the whole point, right, is you can't separate college football because it's a regional sport that's being nationalized. So in the end, Ohio State off the top. They are such a clear number one, we didn't even draft them. Then it went Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Texas, Michigan, USC, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Clemson, Miami, LSU, Florida, Penn State, Oregon, Washington, Auburn, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Florida State, Michigan State. Is there anything in there, Nathan, that hit your ear that you're like, oh, my God, people are going to hate that pick? Or do you think we did a decent job? I think we did all right. Again, when you get down to the end of it, it does start to get less separation between a lot of real just like goofy team. Like, so Iowa was 15th. That's the highest ranking team that didn't get picked. We picked Michigan State, Washington, USC, Oregon, Miami, Tennessee, Florida State over Iowa. Iowa State is the next team that didn't get picked at 19th, and Oklahoma State, Mississippi State, and Nebraska, who I also actually considered just because of the, the stature and everything. Okay. I think we did okay. If you guys have, like, suggestions, 
text us 614-350-3315. You can also tweet at us. Um, maybe we'll respond. That's it for this segment of Buckeye Talk. When we come back, what you're watching, what you're eating with Doug and Nathan. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Douglas Mason, Nathan Baird. Nathan, what you watching? Watching so much stuff. So as people know, I was on paternity leave for two months there. And uh, when you're just waiting on the kid to poop and scream again, you either sleep or you watch something because you can't leave the house and uh, you don't really feel like you don't really have the energy to leave the house anyway. So um, man, what do we do? We got to, we, we watch a bunch of movies. Uh, My wife is younger than me. And sometimes I have to catch her up on some like uh, cultural blind spots. So we watched both Terminator and Terminator two, like back to back. Nice. Um, we have been rewatching. This was her suggestion. We've been rewatching Seinfeld. She had never really watched Seinfeld. Oh. So we're on like season seven of Seinfeld. That's that's be, that was a very much like every morning we'd get up and have breakfast and then watch a couple episodes of Seinfeld. So we've we've swept through pretty far into Seinfeld. Where, where does she think Seinfeld's funny? Yeah. Okay. I wonder about how Seinfeld ages because. I think, I mean, other than other than the fact that everybody in both casts is white and there's no diversity at all in New York City, uh, yeah. I think, I mean, Seinfeld and Friends were obviously overlapped a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Friends, the jokes, I do think there's some there's some cringy things, but I think it ages pretty well. Sometimes I watch Seinfeld and I think this feels like it's mash. This feels like it's two generations ago sometimes, and there's so many of the things that. If you watch Seinfeld when it happened, you know, and the puffy shirt and the soup Nazi and the bet and all the things that became part of the culture, that stuff is great. But to just watch it and be like, this was a show that was on TV in the 90s. Sometimes I wonder if people are like, what? What is the thing that's what? So I was curious uh, what a younger person would think. You know, we were having a, a discussion. It's sort of an epiphany I had the other night. There's a third show that we have watched. We actually just watched the last episode of it. You brought it up a number of times. It is, um, and I've lost the name of it, Happy Endings. Yes. And that was kind of our like Saturday mornings show, our weekend mornings. We get up and have like pancakes and watch that. For some reason, it was like it was reserved for Saturday, Sunday mornings. And so I feel like there's three different tiers of show. There's, There's two different kinds of shows that can work. Either it's a show like Seinfeld where... I feel like all of those characters are pretty real. Like you can imagine like those four people, those like neurotic self-obsessed people 
existed in New York City very much like that. The eccentricities, the selfishness, the smart ass guy in Seinfeld, like all that all that all makes sense. You feel like you're watching something pretty real, even if it's outrageous. And then you would have a show maybe like Friends, who which feels very contrived to me um, and is not as funny to me, but is you wish all those people existed. Mm. Like it's all like beautiful people and um, that have interesting jobs or even if they don't have interesting jobs and they're kind of stupid, like the Joey character, the Phoebe character, at least they're super hot. Like you, you wish that that world existed and you were part of it. And then happy endings to me is I think it was shooting for that kind of thing. And you've many times mentioned how much you like Damon Wayans Jr. And the, yes. the performance on him. He's fantastic. And his wife is also, um, I think, pretty good. And then the Adam Pally is an actor who plays one of the other characters, he plays the gay character. Right. So there is more diversity in this group. Right. I think he's also very funny. And then there's one character that's like, okay, that's the Polly. She's, she grew more annoying on me over the course of the thing. Yeah. And then there are two characters that are maybe the two worst characters I've ever seen in the history of television. Not a fan of Dave. Dave, Dave and the Alicia Cuthbert character. The, the main right. couple that are kind of at the heart of the whole show are unwatchably terrible. I, I grew to resent any time they were on the screen as I watched that show over the but course of it. He does have a steak sandwich truck, which is pretty cool. So I like how, uh, how we wrapped around to you just destroying happy endings here. It's, I, I wanted to like it, and we watched the whole thing, and I liked certain parts of it very much. But I feel like ultimately, like people, I've heard people like, why did he get canceled? I'm like, well, a third of the show, I hated like yeah. I, the, the two main characters whose union or lack thereof are central to the very start of the show. And it runs all the way through it are terribly written and not all that great acted. I thought it would be, it was, it was going to take something for Alicia Cuthbert who got kidnapped three times in the first season of 24, which is based on a 24 hour day. So three separate abductions. I thought that would maybe be the most annoying thing I ever mm. remembered of Alicia Cuthbert, but no, she topped it. Way to go. She is very attractive, though. Sure. What are you going to do? So um, I have been watching, and I talked about this the other day on the What We Can Do Buckeye Talk Better because it was brought up with Buckeye Fly Mm. Effect and alternate realities. But I have now officially caught up on For All Mankind. It's on our list It is now because it is in the midst of its third season. And I had never watched it. So I watched the whole first season. I watched the whole second season. I've now caught up into the third season. And it is the best blend of historical fiction and history that I have ever seen. And there are too many other historical fiction things. There was one that I tried to watch, The Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. which is a book a that I watch, read. Man. And is about, is that the book I read? That's, I think it was a book, right? And then uh, it's about what if- Did you? Japan and Germany won World War II. Yeah, I would say you probably either read that or you might have read the Philip Roth book. I read the Philip that, Roth book, which I, which I don't liked. think is the same. They also thing. made it to a show. They, they made that to a yes. separate show. Yes. So I, I find all of that very interesting. But in The Man in the High Castle, there's an alternate universe that like, oh, what? It's like in the show, Germany and Japan won World War II. But then there's like a guy in a dream goes to an alternate reality, which is the actual reality, which is no Germany and Japan didn't win World War II. And if I w- want historical fiction, I just want it to be historical fiction. 
I don't want alternate universes. I don't want, oh, I went in a dreamscape and now the real world of the, there's alternate, you know, there's a lot of stuff where there's two timelines on the show. It's like, I don't want two timelines. Yeah. Just create a completely, just create a different timeline where some of the things are the same, but some of the things are different, but that's it. I get it. I don't need a dreamscape, but I also thought in the man in the high castle, I thought the characters were horrible. It's like, I did exactly. I tried to watch it and I cared more about the concept than I did about any of the characters. There's a great character in man in the high castle, which is an American soldier who then after Germany wins the war becomes a German soldier in the German high command. And he is living his American life as a Nazi, as a high ranking Nazi. He was the best character. Yes. He is a very interesting character because what it's like, what if it was the fifties, you know, Except you're a Nazi in America and that guy, but the, but the main people who are like supposed to be falling in love, I was, I was like, just kill them, just kill them. There have been times when I've watched TV shows where I've been rooting for characters to die. And that's when I stopped watching. So I stopped watching that, but boy is for all mankind scratching that itch. It is excellently crafted. I think excellently acted and it just allows you to enjoy this alternate reality, which is, a lot of it's real, but then it's a lot. All the things that happen could have happened and just didn't. And so I, it is absolutely fantastic. And then I just like it, it's cool space stuff where yeah. they're showing stuff in space and it's cool. And I like that. It's I think it is one of you know, I think it's like, oh, Doug is it? a lot of people think it. I think it's one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. I really want to watch it. It's on our list now. Um There was a series of books that came out probably 20, 25 years ago called What If? I know there were at least two of them. There's one in my bathroom. Yeah. And I I have a copy of one of them somewhere. But they were like essays written by historians like what if – Yep. The what if the allies didn't get off of Dunkirk? Like what if like stuff like that? Like what would have happened? And there there's some pretty interesting stuff. So I'm I've always been kind of intrigued by that concept. Yeah, no, I think and it's 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 very well done by these guys. All right, what you eating? Can we ask? Can I, can I go real quick? One more watch a yeah. watching. Yeah, yeah. So we just finished Ozark last night. Oh, we yeah. were like slogging through the end of Ozark because we just were watching it with like so much dread. I just want to get your reaction to how the ending of Ozark. Maybe like the actual, like very much the actual ending without maybe I don't know how much we want to spoil it. I will say there was something that I did not like, but in general, I thought it was pretty well done. I was pretty satisfied. You mean like the ending, ending, ending? We don't well, want to spoil anything for people because there's an ending, things, ending, yeah. ending. Yes, yes. So the ending, 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 I was okay with. I, I, I thought was realistic. There's there's something else that I, I didn't love. Um, but in general, I thought the way that they worked their way through the show felt real to me. As much as, again, it's like a fantastical thing. This, no surprise people. It's about like a normal dude who winds up laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel. I think that's probably in the, the line of the show yeah. when you look it up. So I do in general, and this is happening a lot to be like regular people that wind up through a bad choice in ridiculous situations. I do enjoy this because I could imagine myself making a bad choice that puts me in a ridiculous situation. If we were podcasting for the cartel, for instance, I'm one step away from from doing that to us. So like, that's real to me. 
So it also, by the end, it's like I got caught in a thing where like there was Better Call Saul and there was Severance and there was Ozark. Yeah. And there was a lot of things. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm behind on all these different things. And yeah, I'm still I'm not caught up. I'm still not caught up on Better Call Saul. But Ozark felt a little bit like homework getting it done, but I still thought it yeah. was good. Well, I just had so much dread because you knew. So it's they split the second, the last season in halves. And you knew there was a character that everybody liked that you thought was probably coming to a bad end that seemed very inevitable. But I accepted it because it seemed very much in uh, keeping with the show. And then yeah. the, thing that, the thing that you don't like that happens in the second half, especially at, at the finale, I also in the moment did not like that. But then when I reflected on it, I think it makes sense. And I'm kind of okay with it. Okay. I actually didn't like, though, very much the very, very the way it ended. I would have liked so there's basically a scene and like a thing happens and it's kind of like Soprano, the last Sopranos episode, right? Yes. It's like a scene and then it like stops and there's like a black screen and then there's a sound. Yes. And I would have I think it would have been great without the sound. Or why not just keep the camera on that? They chickened out. Uh, but if I they wouldn't guess... have had the sound, it would have been too much like the Sopranos. But see, I would have been okay with the ambiguity here because they, it, there still is a ton of ambiguity here. Even with that thing that you think happens, what the hell happens to this family? What happens to the casino? What happens to the – like there's all sorts of ambiguities that spill out of this finale anyway. Yeah. I think it would have been more fun to be like, what happens if he just – if, if yeah. that sound doesn't happen i just thought that was going to be and i was i said it to my wife as soon as it happened like I, we watched it and there's like a pause and i almost said like oh that's good and then the sound comes and i was like oh, oh. all right I, I I, not to spoil that. it but i i will tell you it's a duck quacking there's it goes <laughs> it black and it goes <laughs> and you're like aha so that's what that was, it was um, a duck i think ozark actually was just a four-year commercial for suv rollover safety technology but I also do think I, I think Trevor Lawrence might be in for a really big season now that he doesn't have to worry about being on Ozark anymore. Well, so. they really backed off of his character over the course yeah. of it. You know what I mean? He was yeah. a huge part of season one. And then he was like just oh, yeah. intermittently the rest of it. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened on Jacksonville. too. <laughs> what uh, what do you what do you eat? The one thing I really wanted to bring up about eating, because we uh, we've been eating a lot out of like just stuff in our freezer and stuff people gave us and, and things like that. Um People, I've, I've mentioned doing things in the smoker before. We talked about meatloaf on here one time about how much I like meatloaf, and you were very lukewarm about it. I did smoked meatloaf recently for the first time when did my you, family was here to visit. Did you make the meatloaf and then smoke it? Oh yes, sir. It was spectacular. All right, what is very, what's, in your, what's what's in your meatloaf? Briefly, it's um, it's you know ground beef and breakfast sausage, like a hot like a hot breakfast sausage and bacon. Uh, onions that you saute. Um, what else? And you know, breadcrumbs and egg. Just kind of the general binding of a of a meatloaf, and just a lot of different kinds of spices and and whatnot. And then um, some barbecue sauce. It was more of a barbecue recipe. And then how long was it in your smoker? You so it made like three smaller loaves. You freeze those overnight, and the next day you take them out about an hour before you want to smoke it because you want to get a little bit of 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 thaw on the outside, but you need them to keep that brick. And then I only had to smoke them for a couple hours. It wasn't like when you do pulled pork or brisket and you got to smoke it for all day. This was just a few hours. What are the chances of your smoker burning down your home at some point? Is it far enough away from your home? No more so than the grill. I mean, they both work off the same propane, so 
Oh, they do. Hmm? Okay. It's not a yeah. It's not a wood burning smoker. Not a wood burning smoker. Okay. I don't like anything that when there's set, when the cooking of the thing goes into a second day, and then it's like, and then on day two, it's like I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> well, the the cooking didn't. The preparation had to happen one day. The cooking happened the second day. Yeah, out. So my thing is that I haven't eaten this yet, but my wife was picking up some chilies takeout for the family the other night. And she noticed that on the sign that it was like takeout for other places as well. And there are two ghost kitchens in my chilies, which is like, I do think that would be, hmm. it's probably more like it's, I was like, that'd be a great show. It's just like a two minute skit. It's actually like a 10 second joke, but it's like, you know, instead of like a ghost hunting show, it's like a ghost kitchen hunting show, but there's a wings place ghost kitchening in Chili's and it's called it's just wings, but it's in my Chili's, which is not just wings. So I feel like the name itself is a lie from the jump, but then also I get bar. I get Buffalo flavor type things at Chili's sometimes. And it's like, you have more, sauces in your kitchen but they're only available in this other restaurant that's residing in so i don't know if i should try the ghost kitchen if it would be cheating on chilies i don't know how to view this that again i get it makes sense to me but there's so many wing places in the world i was kind of upset about it because i want chilies to be chilies but then i don't know if i should be excited about it because what if there's a great wings place hiding inside my go-to restaurant. What should I do? Should I try it? Should I try the ghost kitchen? It's oh, I just wings. Try it. Yeah, I think you should try it. Yes. Because then you may just, the, the, the thing, Chili's may be kind of hosing itself here. Because if you find out that it's just better by going to It's Just Wings, you don't have to order the barbecue flavored stuff from Chili's anymore. Yeah. It's all in the same place. I was I'm sure just, they're getting a cut. I but. thought the ghost kitchens were more apt to take place in a less established restaurant. I was a little surprised that Chili's was in the business of ghost kitchen. Chili's, you're Chili's. Why are you dabbling? You don't have to dabble. You were on the office. Do what you do. I understand when an up and coming restaurant is like, well, ghost kitchen, some wow bow buns. I get it. I was just, I don't know what to think. I guess more food is good, but I also felt slightly betrayed and confused. Speaking of chains, huge news over here on the east side of Columbus. There's a Walmart about five minutes from me in, in Whitehall, putting a Canes in. In the Walmart? Outside the Walmart, oh, in, the, in that okay. kind of complex, just right, like right outside it. How close are you to a Canes right now? Not that close? I don't know. The closest one might be the one over by OSU. I don't know. I Far enough that I haven't like just seen one like driving around. There's yeah. a lot of other restaurants on here, but I haven't seen one of those. No, I, know where the glow to, I know where to get the closest roosters, but I don't know Canes. As someone who lives very close to a Canes. Uh, it does change your view of the world a little bit sort of because I, I, what, what happens with us a lot, my daughter would eat canes every night, which is not good parenting, but when you're like, ah, what should we do? I don't know. Boy, do chicken fingers solve that question a lot because sometimes you're just not like in the mood for burger. You're not in the mood for pizza. You're not in the mood for salad. You're not in the, Doug's not in the mood for a salad. You're never in the mood for a salad. You're not in the mood for Chipotle. You're not in the mood for whatever. You're almost, as it turns out, you're almost 
always willing to eat chicken fingers. It's very seldom that you're like, oh no, chicken fingers don't sound good right now. They always, they are always number two. And if you can't figure out a number one, you're going to end up falling back on, on canes a decent amount. I just was hit by something I hadn't realized before. Now I'm doing the math on it. I have a couple times on this podcast extolled the virtues of Happy's Pizza and the chicken tenders they have. I have no idea if the pizza is any good. People have told me it's actually not that good, but the chicken fingers are amazing. You can go get like a suitcase full of chicken fingers and fries for 10 bucks or 12 bucks, whatever. That's going to be right across the street from where they're putting in this cane. So what are you going to do? Chicken tender wars. Wow. Oh, that'll be good. I think Canes will have Canes will always have the edge in convenience, but I actually like the Happy's ones better. So okay. if I think enough ahead, I may still go to Happy's. But if it's like last minute decision, you're just driving through. Do you have canes. to get out of your car at Happy's? Yes. Ooh. I think it's worth I think it's worth it to walk in and get them if you call ahead. But you're not going to sit there and wait a half hour for them. You're going to drive through Canes. I wonder, like, what percent better does food have to be if you have to get out of your car? Because there are some days I when a, I am not getting out of my car. Smaller percentage for me than it is for you. You have a baby. Let, let me know when you're going. No, I'm, I'm saying I would, I'm, oh. I'm willing to get out of my car for that kind of, for maybe not even as better food. You know what I'm saying? But now you are. But I'm saying when you are going to get your mm. food in your pajama pants and slippers, because you barely been able, whether even if you don't have the baby, it's like I'm a barely functioning human right now because my baby has been being a wonderful, cute baby that has needs, and we have to nourish ourselves. I'm running to get chicken fingers, but I cannot get out of the car because I haven't showered today. Hmm. Then Canes is even more delicious. By the way, my wife, my shower Canes. My wife gave me new slippers. Look at you for our second anniversary, which was yesterday. And it's like I'm walking on clouds. These things are amazing. Wow. Look at you. That is full dad mode. Celebrity endorsement. I don't oh. know who made them. I don't oh. know what brand they are. All right. Well, we'll work on that. We'll work on getting a slipper endorsement here on Buckeye Talk. Thanks, <laughs> you guys, for coming along on this, what you're watching, what you're eating. If you want to hear what, what else I'm eating, you can listen to the Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back with a couple other Buckeye Talks this week, including the finale of our most influential list. And we've got to get the Maryland preview in at some point. So thanks to you guys, as always for Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk.